Welcome to the Women's Health Wisdom and Wine podcast, a bi-weekly conversation with practitioners, providers, patients, and healers about complex reproductive medicine and women's health challenges, the value of an integrative approach to these challenges, many of the women's health topics you're already thinking about but uncomfortable talking about, and my personal favorite, wine. I'm your host, Dr. Lorena White, an integrative reproductive medicine and women's health provider, licensed acupuncturist, clinical herbalist, and a former labor support doula in the Washington, D.C. metro area. My goal is to bring women's health-specific evidence and expertise to the forefront of daily health and wellness news through informative conversations. If you have ideas, questions, and specific topics that you would like us to cover in future podcast episodes, please leave them in the comment section or send us an email. To learn more, visit the website at www. LorenaWhite.com. As you enjoy the podcast, conversations, and wine time, please remember that this podcast is not designed to be a substitute for a bona fide relationship with a licensed or certified healthcare professional. September is Polycystic Ovarian Syndrome Awareness Month. This month, yes, the entire month of September, we're switching up our podcast format as we transition from bi-weekly to weekly episodes. Each week during this month, You'll be hearing from me as I talk about PCOS from background and causal factors to case studies and integrative healing solutions. PCOS is one of the most common and most often misdiagnosed ovulatory disorders in women's health. This month is dedicated to raising awareness, educating the public, and conquering PCOS. You can help spread awareness by wearing teal throughout the month or simply pinning the teal ribbon on your clothing. Okay, let's get started. flies when you're having fun. Welcome to our very last week of Polycystic Ovarian Syndrome Awareness Month. I can't believe we're already in the last days of September and we passed this week, this month, these weeks, this month together talking about Polycystic Ovarian Syndrome and I really love the whole aspect of treating PCOS because for the most part women have been suffering for years um, especially when it comes time to get pregnant or conceive when they're trying to conceive, they're having all these challenges, but in the end game, it's really not that challenging to treat, especially if they're making the necessary changes in terms of lifestyle and not necessarily need a lot of pharmaceutical or surgical intervention to make that possible. So just to briefly recap, In the first week, we talked about background and causal factors. We talked about the prevalence of PCOS and the diagnosis, how the diagnosis is made. We talked about, again, the metabolic syndrome that has reproductive health repercussions, features in the reproductive health system that, again, manifest when one has a diagnosis of PCOS. In our week two, we talked about the signs and symptoms, the different signs and symptoms, that constellation that can be present in the different types of PCOS in terms of what it looks like in the individual. It's not going to look the same for every woman, but again, there are going to be some signs and symptoms that are pretty consistent. In our third week, we talked about that making the diagnosis. 
And oftentimes the diagnosis of PCOS is made with no, with no real examination and looking at a woman from a pure phenotypic view without looking at anything other than just the signs and symptoms that she is presenting with. So we talked about the four different types of PCOS based on conventional medicine standards, the inflammatory, the insulin resistant type, the post pill type, and the adrenal PCOS type. And last week we talked about treatment, treatment in terms of lifestyle modification, treatment in terms of pharmacological intervention, and how those are important to address not only signs and symptoms, but also the underlying cause. And because the underlying cause is rooted in, based in a metabolic disorder or metabolic dysfunction, the ideal thing is to address that metabolic dysfunction and everything else will follow. And when we talk about lifestyle modification, losing weight, just 10% of one's body weight through healthy eating and regular physical activity that is designed for you, potentially according to your blood type, can decrease the glucose, improve how the body utilizes insulin, normalize hormones, and at the same time, attune one's womb in terms of regulating and the menstrual cycle. So we're going to talk about a clinical example today, a success story that, again, you'll be able to hopefully identify with and see that in a matter of weeks that things can change and will change. So we have a 26-year-old woman. She was diagnosed with PCOS at age 16. So now you can see the 10-year pretty much evolution of her PCOS journey. And again, 16 years old, she was a teenager, pretty much right at the beginning of puberty and how that would manifest. Um, When she presented, she had missed her period for four months. She was always hot in nature in terms of temperature and she was hairy um, per her own account. And she had tried several PCOS diets, also in air quotes. And she had been diagnosed with anxiety and depression, Um, definitely hyperkinetic in terms of her movement, always moving, always fidgety. So that's, again, a manifestation of that heat component, definitely a sweaty person, but she just had that internal heat as well as external manifestations of being hot. Um, and she had menstrual cycles that were irregularly irregular, even before she missed her period for four months consecutively. So that's the personal history. That's the presentation. And then we start looking at her clinical manifestations. So when she arrived at our office, she again had these menstrual abnormalities. She had pretty much missed her period for four months consecutively, always had irregular menstruation. And her cycles were so irregular prior to her missing it for four months that there was no pattern. It wasn't in every 28 day and every 30 day, even in that range of every 28 to 35 days. She said sometimes she would have her period come early. It would come, you know, every 12 or 13 days. And then sometimes she would go months without it. So every 42 to 60 days. And so that's an irregular menstruation coming early, coming late. And once she did menstruate, it was sometimes so scanty that she was like, she didn't even recognize if it was a period or not. So then on the flip side, sometimes she would bleed heavily. And that makes sense when you're having your period 
so frequently every 10 to 12 days there's not going to be a lot of blood to menstruate and if you have don't get a period for two to three months uh, also there's going to be a lot of of that endometrial lining built up so you're going to bleed heavily so that makes sense so when she presented she also didn't have a period for four months consecutively so that's a constellation of menstrual abnormalities from irregular menstruation early menstruation late menstruation scanty menstruation betteragia or heavy menstruation and finally her final presentation was no menstruation at all and she was amenorrheic for four months so she had also started developing some male sex characteristics when we looked at her blood work her levels of male hormones were definitely higher and that was manifest in her decreased breast size she also had a moderately enlarged clitoris not super large but definitely enlarged she was on the younger side so again didn't have a long exposition to hormones but she was definitely had the presence of excess facial hair and body hair and it was very coarse very thick very dark all over pretty much on her legs her arms um i think the the matter of hair that was also on her chest um on her breasts and on her back also very hairy so that was a presence of her sutism and she had a lot of acne definitely a lot of acne on her chest acne on her face and she said she'd have had acne since adolescence so it was severe she had again used so many creams so many depilatories so many different techniques to try to manage the hair and lack of appetite lack of appetite is that another sign or symptom of inflammation because you have so much heat in your body that again it's interfering with your digestive system and so she also presented with infertility so here we talk about the clinical manifestations and one of the manifestations earlier on was that you're always hungry here we see that she didn't have an appetite at all but we see different combinations between the male characteristics associated with the hair presence and excess facial and body hair we see the acne and we also see the menstrual abnormalities so the menstrual abnormalities are going to lead to some fertility challenges okay so again we're seeing how nothing is going to fall neatly in, in any particular category but we're going to see what is predominant when we look at the entire picture and the entire person so we want to talk about some of the principles that we're going to looking for in this situation we're looking at inflammation the level of heat always being hot even the hormone level a lot of testosterone can be associated with again some abundance of the male androgens so when we look at this we're looking at sugars and fats sugars and fats automatically are going to increase inflammation that means in the joints that means internally that means potentially being hot at night when one should be cooler which is going to interfere with sleep so we're looking at all those different aspects so first thing we're going to do is try to kind of diminish some of that heat and then diminish some of that um, accumulation of fat in areas where she doesn't need it so that heat that fat whether that be cholesterol um, are going to help with the acne as well and moving her blood getting her blood circulation moving so that she can also potentially lose some of the weight so in the first treatment we're going to start with the first four treatments of her course 
Again, she presented with amenorrhea for four months. She was having fertility challenges, obviously, because she had no period, severe back acne, and thick body and facial hair. She was always thirsty and she was constipated. So as you can see, this kind of constellations of symptoms, we have the amenorrhea, things that are affecting her reproductive system, the acne, the thick body and facial hair. Again, things that are manifest by the signs and symptoms of high androgen levels. And then you see this heat component, always being thirsty and always constipated. So she's dry. That's the heat component. That's inflammation. So we're looking at all different parts of her body as well. From an integrated perspective, we're not just looking at what we can see. We're looking at the tongue. We're looking at pulses and feeling pulses and seeing what we can notice. So when I look at a tongue, I'm not just looking at the color of the tongue. I'm looking at the tongue color. I'm looking at any different markings on the tongue. I'm looking at the coat of the tongue. What color is it? How thick is it? I'm looking at all the different places on the tongue because each part of the tongue from top and underneath, demonstrated part of the body. It's just a little microcosm of the entire body. So I'm looking at the color, the coat, the movement of the tongue, any spots or any markings on the tongue, any all the different regions of the tongue because they correlate to different parts of the body. And on her tongue, her tongue was very dark red um, with some black spots around the edges and some her coat, the coating of her tongue was whitish yellow and a little bit greasy. So again, that gives me some insight into certain aspects of what's going on internally and how we want to approach treatment. When I felt her pulses, her pulses were very fast, kind of thick in nature, but very wiry and hard. So again, things that talk to heat, things that talk to some blood stagnation, and things that we're going to address again through an integrative approach. So the first four weeks she had acupuncture, we started with acupuncture twice a week and we wanted to kind of get rid of some of that, those old patterns and trying to get her body and moving energetically different than it has been before. And so we also, she started herbal therapy with a customized formula, a customized blend of herbs. And it was designed to, again, address some of that internal heat, address some of that inflammation, and to start addressing some of the hormone imbalances associated with that inflammation and the high amount of androgens and compared to her estrogen. So in addition, as we work with her together as our team, we started making some changes in her lifestyle and through nutrition counseling. And we put her on a sugar detox and not just, again, giving up the sweets, but giving up anything that can eliminating anything that turns to sugar in the body. And that sugar detox was 21 days and we wanted her to increase her food intake for someone who has no appetite. Encouraging them to eat seems like a chore. So we really worked with our nutrition counselor and our health and wellness coach to again, address what she could eat and when she did eat, what foods were going to have the most impact, the most bang for the buck. She started doing castor oil packs again daily until her menstruation began. So for her, it was going to be again pretty much every single day. And we would wait until, you know, menstruation or signs of menstruation were apparent. She got weekly massages. She was vaginal steaming every week. And just so we could calm some of that cortisol down, those high levels of cortisol in terms of stress, we started restorative yoga every week as well. So in the following 
four treatments, treatment five through eight. She still didn't have a period. However, her acne dramatically cleared up. She had some scars that remained, but she wasn't as thirsty and her constipation had resolved. When we examined her tongue again, the tongue instead of dark red was light red. The black spots were less intense in color saturation and they were pretty much around her whole tongue and now they were just around the edge and there were less amount of those and the coat on her tongue was not as thick it wasn't as yellow and it was white but still a little greasy and her pulses were way more even and instead of twice week acupuncture twice a week acupuncture she got acupuncture once a week and we changed some of the points and so her herbal therapy she we changed some of the same formula but we changed some of the doses And so she was taking her herbal tea twice a day on an empty stomach. And that was just modified some of the doses. In terms of her integrative therapy, again, we continued with her dietary lifestyle modifications with our nutrition counselor and our health and wellness coach. She worked on increasing her protein, definitely less sugar after the sugar detox, and exploring different foods that she hadn't really eaten before. She was pretty much a particular eater in terms of sticking too much to the same five to 10 foods every week, all the time. And so part of that was exploring different foods that were going to be beneficial to her and teaching her about how to eat for living and not just living to eat. And that was a very important component to getting her to where she wound up. And again, she was still having, doing um, the castor oil packs every day, waiting for her menstruation to start. Her massages were weekly. She was vaginal steaming weekly. And again, the restorative yoga continued. And treatments nine to 12, that second or third set of treatments still had no period. However, she had no acne on her face and there was a whole lot of less scarring. So again, not only were we addressing the signs and symptoms that were visual, we're addressing things from the inside. So again, addressing that scarring, addressing the signs and symptoms that were associated with the acne. And she did notice a new discharge. So even that's a sign. While there was still no menstrual period, she noticed that there was a new discharge. And for us, sometimes not knowing when that is, in our heads, we were thinking, okay, this is that cervical mucus, that cervical plug. So that's a sign of ovulation so I was excited the team was excited because that noticing a new discharge one she noticed something new something she hadn't experienced pretty much ever so when we hadn't arrived at the goal of getting her to menstruate again however she noticed that there was a discharge that she hadn't experienced before hadn't recognized before and she started feeling PMS symptoms while I never want to advocate for someone having PMS when you have had no PMS signs or symptoms for four months, when you start feeling those PMS symptoms, that's a starting place. So these were all good signs that we're making improvements. And this is about three months into treatment. And so we're looking at her tongue, the dark, her tongue was now dark pink with no spots and her coat was a nice thin white, which is perfect. Um, pulses felt pretty much even all throughout and she was get, still getting weekly acupuncture. We changed her formula in that third month um, just so we could start, again, staying ahead of the changes that she was experiencing. Now that she was experiencing a little discharge and PMS symptoms, we wanted to ameliorate those for the next menstrual cycle. That hopefully was 
starting to occur, but with some ovulation. So we did change her exercise and we wanted her to start moving her body a little bit more intensely. So she started a high intensity interval training, pretty much low impact, but um, changing her diet, changing her exercise modification so that she was changing how and incorporating not only restorative exercise and yoga, but also with some high intensity interval training. So again, we could get that blood moving and we could get all the energetic energetic movement as well as the physical movement in terms of her dietary lifestyle modifications she started eating more organic meats in terms of not organ meats but organic meats meats that are organic in nature and she started minimizing her wheat and dairy when we looked at her food logs she thought she was eating a lot of milky um or dairy related foods and a lot of wheat and so that we felt was contributing to partially contributing to some of her symptoms. And once we started minimizing those, again, things definitely gotten better and improved. Starting her castor oil packs, again, continuing those every day because we still hadn't begun menstruation. And she still was getting weekly massages, vaginal steaming every week and continuing with her restorative yoga. So now... We're at weeks 13 to 16. We're pretty much in month four of treatment. And at the end of week 13, the beginning of this fourth month, she menstruated. So that was success. We were very happy about that. Her tongue looked really great. No spots, darker pink, a healthy tongue with a thin white coat. And her pulses were changed a little bit, but in general, it was a healthy pulse. Um, and we continue with week, weekly acupuncture, again, changing the point prescription and the points. We continued with the same herbal formula, modifying the doses. And again, continued with her exercise modification with the high interval, high intensity interval training. She was eating more organic meats, continuing to minimize that wheat and dairy, her massage, her vaginal steam and her restorative yoga every week. And in that fifth week, First month, I'm sorry, the fifth month after everything was going on, she was pregnant. And so over the course of that five month period, we went from four months of no menstruation to at the end of four months having menstruation. And by the fifth month, she was pregnant. And so we really wanted to focus on the possibilities of things happening. And she was not just got pregnant but she stayed pregnant and again had a healthy baby and went through a whole course but again continuing to maintain the lifestyle modifications that we instituted because it was for life and not just to get pregnant and so that was the lesson of the story is when you make changes these are changes for life not just for to get to an end goal of conception or trying to conceive or getting pregnant but also to get pregnant to stay pregnant, to have a mother, healthy mother baby diet, and to have a healthy life from there on out. All right, so that was the end of our PCOS month. I can't believe we're already at the end of the month, but it's been a pleasure talking with you about PCOS, increasing awareness, and spreading awareness. And I hope that each of you have learned something valuable. And if at any point in time you have any questions, please don't hesitate to leave a comment in the comment section of either the podcast or YouTube and 
also don't hesitate to contact us via email. We look forward to hearing from you. If there's anything you want to add or any questions that you still aren't clear or questions that you have or any concept that you're still not clear about, we're here to help. So take care, enjoy the rest of your month, and we'll talk to you real soon. Bye-bye. An important aspect of PCOS Awareness Month is advocacy. Whether it's by sharing your individual fertility story or supporting other women challenged by a PCOS diagnosis, this month of September gives all of us the opportunity to join the conversation. Share your experiences to empower and uplift other women. Remember, empowered women empower women. See you next week.